Hi there, mamas. Welcome to the Mom Thrive Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina, a mom of two little ones under the age of five, and I'm obsessed with making this journey full of joy for my kids and myself, even on the days where I can find myself crying in a corner. I'm going to talk about how putting intention and myself at the forefront helped me ditch mom funk. We all talk about what our kids deserve, but this is a conversation about what you deserve and what your desires are and how to get to mom thrive that mood when you feel like a badass and at peace, even when the laundry's not put away. Welcome back to the Mom Thrive Podcast. I'm extremely excited for you to meet our guest today because I heard her talk about one specific topic no one ever mentioned to me as a mother. It was mind-blowing. I'm excited to bring Maria on to really dig deep into something that I've just been so excited since she mentioned it. But before we dive really deep into that, I want to give Maria just a little bit of time to introduce herself. Tell us who you are, what you are, what you do besides being a mom and welcome. Thank you so much, Sabrina. I'm excited to be here. And I think um, the journey of motherhood is so interesting. And like, we've kind of touched on this just in our preliminary conversations and getting to know each other, Um, just how unifying and um, how much validation we can even feel just talking about this one topic today. Um, I am by no means an expert. This is, I'm a woman who loves research. I will, I read as much as I can if something interests me. Like I dive into that rabbit hole and I just, I read about it until it makes sense to me. So I'm by no means an expert, but it, it is something that I think is so important for women to hear as they're transitioning into motherhood, because um, like you said, it's like, we're so prepared to have our babies and we're not prepared to be mothers. It's wild. Like they tell you everything you need to know um, about your baby, but nothing about what it means to be a mother. So um, I live in Jersey city with my family. I have an almost four-year-old son and I'm an independent beauty consultant with this incredible company called beauty counter. Um, my passions are really just rooted around wellness, healing, and just making sense of this whole experience that we're having. So um, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Um, I'll ask you about this afterwards, but that charcoal mask, I have been eyeing for a minute. So I know that's not what we're talking about today, but all (laughs) things that make me me feel good. And I've just been eyeing it. It's been popping up a lot. we have to do these things, right? Like we were just talking about mom guilt and what it means to really like, you have to take care of yourself first, no matter what. Yes. Um, And you have to do the things, like you said, it's just about what's going to make you happy and not waiting for things to come to you to make you happy. And that's something that I had to learn the hard way, waiting for moments um, and not really understanding that if I was going to have to do things, I was going to have to make those choices primarily because you nailed it. Like people tell us what it's going to be like for the baby, what breastfeeding is going to be like, what um, sleep training is going to be like. I mean, literally all the information, including the the apps you need, everything, the apps, the uh, the specialist, the doctor, like they give you a list of everything you need to know. What could be causing baby to cry? What they give you all like the signs, the hints, the happiest baby, but no one tells us what's going to happen when you become a mother. 
Yeah. Which I think honestly starts long before the baby comes. It's as soon as you find out you're pregnant, you are a mother, which makes the parenting experience very unique because dads can't say that men cannot say that. Right. And it's so true. Like you said, even the apps, right? Like the minute you're pregnant, like it's the size of a pineapple. It's the size of this. It's the size of that. And I never really, um, Oh, I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I became a mom, but the transition into that, uh, we can clearly see the physical being, right? Your body's changing and you know, things are happening. And depending on how your pregnancy was, like it's affected you physically and emotionally on many levels, but no one ever talks about what it is. And, um, so let's get into it. It has a name. And when I heard it, it was like, what? And then I started to read a little bit about it and we talk about the birth of a child, but there's the birth of a mother. Can you tell us what that is? I'm yeah, so, so <laughs> I'm going to give you a little bit of background because this really ties into the overall picture we're trying to paint here, which is nobody prepares you for motherhood. Um, they teach us about breastfeeding. They don't teach us about weaning. It's a very like, and then at some point you like hit a cliff in motherhood and you're like, wait, now what? No one talked about this. So I started a weaning support group because I had a really tough time weaning my son. And we'd been breastfeeding exclusively for two and a half years. I was just feeling so touched out. Um, my husband's schedule is really demanding. He's a chef. So I'm alone with our son from the time he leaves for work until the, you know, the next morning, basically I put, you know, I do all the bedtime stuff and everything. So every day is kind of exhausting. And it was like one of those really clingy phases. I met this wonderful woman who shows up to my little weaning support group. Her name's Christina. And she starts talking about matrescence. And I said, wait, 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 me, what, me, who? She said, oh, matrescence. And by the way, this woman is brilliant. She's a psychologist. And she talks to me about two things that I want to share with you because this knowledge completely changed my perspective. It changed the way I viewed myself, the way I viewed motherhood. Um, So matrescence is one of them. And quite literally, it means the transition into motherhood. So think of all the changes that you went through, your lifestyle, your Um, your sleep schedule, your hormones, your body, um, your emotions, your priorities, all these things that have shifted, not to mention the fact that you're basically a hostage to a tiny person. Every cry elicits a response inside your body. Something's happening. A lot of things are happening all at once. So matrescence is basically the, it's like the same thing in adolescence it deserves its own terminology because it is such a major transformation in a woman's life. And it's, it's the equivalent to what becoming a teenager was like. And I think it's just, it blows my mind that like, this isn't something that someone gave me a pamphlet about when I became pregnant. And the reason I say that is because we as mothers become very good at trying to figure out exactly what's happening with our babies, right? We learn about leaps and sleep and and feedings and like you said, baby sign language, like anything that will make us feel more capable or just get us through the day a little easier. I don't know about you, but like I'm on it. There's books, there's Google, all of that. Or I can ask my pediatrician about it, right? And then I get answers. And what I was feeling when I became a mother, all the things that you just mentioned, I didn't even know I could ask about it because I didn't know it had a name. 
And I didn't really understand a lot of what you're talking about. So it's not like I, I guess I could have Googled it, but it, again, it's not being talked. What about. do you, well, how do you ask the question? You don't know what the question is. Like, yes, exactly. Like, you can't really just type in like what's happening to me. I just became a mom. Feeling crazy. And think about, so I think about the, the natural hormone drop after we have kids and we kind of like hit that, like that first 10 days is real. You know, after the adrenaline wears off, we're completely exhausted. Our bodies feel like they got hit by a truck and, you know, it's coined the baby blues, this very natural drop in hormones. You kind of feel like what just happened to me. And then, um, you know, most women, God willing, feel better. Their hormones start to stabilize. But I mean, I don't know about you, but all through my son's infancy, it's like, I felt like my body, every time he went through a growth phase or a developmental phase, my body was doing the same thing. So it's like, no wonder you're exhausted because as they're growing and they're eating more, their signal, their saliva is signaling something to your body, like make more food, produce more prolactin. And that's the hormone that helps us produce breast milk. And it's like every, you look at how quickly your kid is changing, but you never relate it back to yourself, like how closely tied we are to our kids. So if we think about it in that frame where we're, where we can identify and acknowledge that our kids are growing at the speed of light, every single change they're making has a physiological response on us, but nobody, we don't talk about it because it is so normal. That's the thing. It's because it's normal, I think, but I think as we're all becoming more self-aware and we really want to not just get through an experience, but understand it, that's when finding out terms like this are completely transforming to our lives because then I think we can really lean into it. We can embrace it. We can give ourselves a lot more grace because we go, oh, I know what's going on. I'm going through a transition. It's just so affirming to hear that. Yeah. And I think, like you said, um, for me, when I first learned about, like you said, I knew that every time that my son or my daughter were going through specific changes, I knew that the next week it was going to change. Like eventually I got used to the change happening, but I, now I'm like, oh, but that's why I also felt it differently sometimes. And that's why there was times where I just, I couldn't explain why I know that they were going through the change, but you're right. I never thought about the change I was going through because of this physiologically connection that we have right as we give birth and it's just when you first mentioned it um so maria is a moderator um on an instagram account for jc mamas and when i literally when you said it it just made everything feel normal and like you said it's it's so normal and like how do you ask the question so again like i could ask about weaning i can ask about certain things but I didn't even know I could ask about this. So yeah, there's not really like a, there's not a button that you can just encapsulate everything that you feel. Cause I feel like I was talking to my doctor about all of these little things that I was feeling and it was never all connected to one thing. It was like, uh, and I, I know that there, that there are a lot of women who are like prematurely diagnosed with, with PPD or postpartum anxiety, because that's like the first thing the doctor wants to go to because their priority is making sure that we're safe. 
Right. And that if we need help, it's available to us immediately. But it also leaves out a really huge part of the picture of the normalcy of what a lot of people are experiencing. And that regardless of whether or not you experience postpartum depression or anxiety, all mothers experience matrescence, every single mother. So it's something that I think we're, we're really lacking educationally because it is now acknowledged in the psychological world as a transition in life. And it's a huge one, especially when you think about the modern woman, what we're up against in terms of even pre-pandemic, what we were up against in terms of balancing motherhood, career, being a great partner, still, you know, doing the projects and making sure your kid has everything they need, all the plates that we're juggling while being equal partners in households now. It's a lot. Like we just added more onto our plate. It's not like over time that everything got distributed evenly between couples. It was no women just took on more. Right. And I think that's another thing that I love about your message that you talk about. So in learning about this transition, what, I guess my question is like, what happened next? And is that when you started to really understand what self-care was going to be like, or how you were going to approach things differently? Because I'm just trying to think back if I knew this information five years ago or three years ago, like I probably would have just... But I definitely would have felt a little bit better because I could have just talked to other mothers about it. And I, I guess I was talking about specific symptoms at times, but again, you know, naming something is so important. And yeah. so tell me about you, you learned this and how did that sort of affect, or how did that start to change some of your decisions in the way that you treated yourself and the way that you viewed how you were going to move forward as a mother? Okay. So I love this question and I'm going to circle back to it in one minute. And the reason is because I want to tell you this second term that Christina told me because these two things, they worked in tandem. They worked in tandem because I found out about them at the exact same time. So those two things together influenced like the rest of my journey through motherhood up until now. So the second thing that she imparted on me was this term called good enough mother. It was coined by a psychoanalyst, um, DW Winnicott. And basically what it is, um, in my understanding is that mothers want to be perfect for their children. We always feel like we could be doing more. We always feel like we're not doing enough. What good enough mother implies is that exactly the way you are is preparing your child for life. So you don't have to be perfect. Your child does need to experience disappointment from parental or authoritative figures. They're grownups in their lives. Kids do need to experience things on their own. Kids need to experience, you know, their parents having full ranges of emotion and how you cope with that and how you deal with it. So um, I really loved it because it, those two things together, they did two things for me. Matrescence validated everything that I had been feeling for over two years without feeling completely misunderstood. I'm like, I wonder if other people go through this, but like you said, if you can't verbalize what it is, how do you ask other people about it? And so um, learning about matrescence did that for me personally, it was a validation and I felt like, okay, now I know what this is. Now I can figure out ways to help myself through it. Um, and then Winnicott's theory of good enough mother, this idea 
gave me a lot more grace in just being human and not having to be a superhuman. So, you know, understanding it's okay to make the choice to let the entire house go to hell for the day if I'm sitting on the floor and I'm playing with my kid. He's not looking around the house going, oh, my house is super messy. Like it just, it doesn't translate that way. We are to our children. And I think that we forget so often what we are to our children is what the sun is to a sunflower. Right. Their whole world, like we are their whole world. So no matter where you are, what you're doing, your child looks at you like the sun. And I think like, that's the perspective we always need to just dial back into, because if we're looking at like, if we're looking at other people's lives through social media and through reading articles and even listening to podcasts like this, I think sometimes it leaves us with this feeling of a comparison and brings us back to, I'm not doing enough. I could do more. How come these women have time to do X, Y, Z? Why does this mom, how can she work out? How can, and the list gets so long because we're looking at all the things that we're not, but what we need to just refocus on is a, all the things that we are, the things that we do and just really being secure with secure enough within ourselves to know I am doing my best and that is good enough. And ultimately that's what we teach our kids. But if we can refocus on their perspective of us, I think everything else, it's just relative, right? Yeah. And you're so right because sometimes like right now during the pandemic, if, you know, um, last year I was working full time and yeah, I would lock myself in a room and I would, you feel this disappointment because we're all in this, in this home. Right. And you're not doing enough. You're not doing this. And honestly, yes, like they would, kids are always going to ask, right. So they would ask, can we play? Can we do this? Can we do that? And then you just feel bad constantly saying no, but they don't even remember that as soon as you say yes, they're like, she said yes. And then every other no before that, it's like it never happened. And they're yeah. just excited to be in the moment that you're giving them. And you're right. They they don't they don't see all of that um, when they're little like that. They're just they're they're willing to kind of take what they can. And and I know that that sounds bad, but it's in a good way, right? They're just oh, like, they're perfect. I take you for who you are, and yeah. and I'm happy about that. Yeah, they're perfect. They are so. They're so um, free of, you know, life experience in so many yeah. ways, like the things that harden us over time, the things that um, trigger things in us, like anxiety and feelings of inadequacy and, or, you know, the opposite, the, wanting to do it all. And, right. you know, all, the, the pressure that we put on ourselves, like, it's so funny. I think there's, there's a negative connotation, no matter what. Um, but it's like, if you, if you're someone who, you know, you put so much pressure on yourself to perform, people tell you to take it easy on yourself. Right. If you just like wallow in like what, you know, these are the things that I'm not, I can never amount to this, blah, blah, blah. People tell you like, get out of your own head and just, you know, just live your life. Either way, I think we can, I don't know if this is just a human condition, but I think we can always find what is wrong with the picture. And like, I'm personally trying to be more, a, more on, of a person who's looking at all the things that are right in the picture. Yes. Um, yeah. Because it, it, I think at some point between friends and between, you know, people that we talk to, it's like, 
whatever we're putting out there, we're feeding that off of that from each other. So whatever's being perpetuated more, especially in like the realm of motherhood, which is one of the most judgmental arenas on the planet. Um, I think it's really important to find the people that we click with and the ones, yeah. who, you know, the one, people who can focus on the good and the friends who are going to tell you like, you're doing enough. Yes. You know, like they can just acknowledge, I know how you feel and I'm sorry you're having a hard time, but you really are doing enough. And I hope you can like take care of yourself. So yeah, I, and I didn't even answer your question. Like the, what it did for me in that way was the validation and then also just the grace and being more gracious with myself. But yeah, I started to take better care of myself. I started to prioritize, you know, not just physical self-care, not band-aids, like quick fixes for the burnout. Um, you know, you said this perfectly. You're sitting in your apartment, your house, and your kids are like wanting to play with you. And that you're basically just locked yourself in a room to work. And, you know, our instinct as mothers is to open that door. Yeah. You know, um, we would rather be giving them everything. And so I think there's a lot of emotional burden that's been placed on, especially the workforce mothers who, who have jobs outside the home, they have careers outside the home and it's, and you guys are not given, like no one's been given the support. Millions and millions of women have dropped out of the workforce in 2020. I think it's like 2.7 million. It's a lot. Um, yeah. and I started thinking about like at some point during the pandemic, um, still in 2020, maybe around September, August, September, what long-term self-care looks like and what short-term self-care looks like. And then what a band-aid looks like. Yep. Like what yep. are some things you do that are long-term self-care? And I think it's easy to, like you said, to do the short-term and the band-aid and putting boundaries that changes everything for long-term, right? Um, a big part of me is getting the right amount of sleep I need, which means things that I'm accustomed to get sacrificed, right? Like I'm in the same boat as you, like my husband comes home really late, works um, in the restaurant industry. And the only time sometimes is like somewhere between like 10 and midnight. I just can't do 10 to midnight. <laughs> and so, Long-term self-care means I have to say no to things that I kind of want to, I would prefer to do, right? Mm -hmm. um, but good sleep serves me better the next day. And, and it's just like, I think in our, when we were talking before this, you said this, we're constantly having to choose between one and another. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes there's no right choice, but you just do the best you can. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think it's so important to like take stock like basically take inventory and we don't have to aim for a hundred. We can aim for like 85, 15, 85% of the time. I'm going to do these things because I know that these contribute to my overall wellness over long periods of time. Right. And then I have, you know, one night a month where I go out or whatever it is that helps you recharge to feel like you know, when, after your kids are a little older for any new moms listening, there does come a period of time where pieces of yourself come back. Yeah. And you kind of, and it's, it's amazing because there are a lot of things that don't come back. It's like the rebirth. It is right. like your birth into motherhood changes you as a woman, but there are still the parts of you that were awesome. They still exist. They've just like gone somewhere else 
for a little bit because your priority had to be helping this child survive, right? It's almost like our bodies know that they're like, okay, this part just has to get, you know, put to not even to the side, just in a different box right now for the time being so that you can focus on this. And you're right. It all goes in stages. Um, my kids are five and three, but I do remember at some point when my son was maybe like two months crying in the bathroom being like, that's it. I'll never sleep again. I, I accept it. <laughs> and then, you know, so gradually things sort of change as, like you said, parts of you start to come back as you start to, but just knowing that you can give yourself that grace, knowing that, that it does come back. And that's really why this conversation is so important because the changes you're going through are part of the process. Yeah. And the process is always the hardest part. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's the journey. It's like, I mean, this is why people really shy away from doing personal growth work because the process is really fucking hard. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to be willing to take off your BS goggles for yourself. And if you want to make changes in your life, you have to, you have to grow and heal from where you were. It's not just growth. It's a growth plus healing. And it's, it's hard work. That's why people call it work. It's the healing process that sucks sometimes too, like you said, because you, you're going to have to relive some things just so you can move forward. Yeah. Um, but the, but the payoff is worth it and avoiding it just makes it harder. I've been there. It's like, I agree. You know, I agree. And I think, I think having conversations like this and keeping, keeping the dialogue just to, just to and from an honest place um, I think this is how we help each other grow. I think this is how we validate this massive experience that is happening and that everyone's day-to-day is different, but there are things that no matter, like you and I could go fly across the world to a country where we don't speak the language and we would still understand the language of a mother. We would still get it and they would still get us. 100%. Because it's not about, it's, it's like, it's the soul's experience. It's a common, there are common feelings. There are common sacrifices. Um, and that's why we're a community. That's why we say like only mothers can understand mothers. We could have the best, most supportive partners who are great dads and they're great partners. They will never understand your experience being pregnant, birthing a child, and then like your body adjusting itself to the specific needs of that child. 100%. And I think what you just said is so important. I was just telling a friend this, when they said it takes a village, I always thought that it took a village to raise a kid. It takes a village to help a mom get through the process. And that's truly what, um, honestly, like Instagram has done for me um, because it's, you know, it is what you make of the space, right? And I have been very purposeful in seeking communities that would serve me through this time. And it is because I've been able to, um, you know, now meet you, but like follow women like you who are able to be true and authentic and raw about their stories. That makes me feel like, okay, um, maybe I shouldn't be looking towards my poor husband who is supportive, like you said, and a great dad to help me figure out all my internal shit. (laughs) 
Yeah. You know, because you have to look for support. You have to look for the right support in the right places. And I think everyone plays our roles, like our families, our husbands, our friends. But at some point, even within our friends, unless your children are sort of the same age, you're you're all still like a, a different, you know, people can share their experiences, but no one understands what you're going through unless they've been through it. And um, I, when I had kids and I was going through this, I just thought of all the friends that I had when I was single who had children. And I was like, I was a horrible friend but it's <laughs> about being a horrible friend. It's just, I have no idea. You I just, like called them and apologized though. I was like, I should have been there. Don't more know. <laughs> well, well, you, you know, just, you, you don't, don't know what you, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So I think it's a, it's a really special and wonderful thing to have a community of moms. Yeah. Like, I think that we remind each other of, about sanity. <laughs> we give each other, um, we give each other places to rest. And I don't, I don't just mean in like a literal sense where like your friend will be like, drop your kid off and have a play date, you know, for a couple hours, like take a break. But I mean, like our friends, especially our mom friends, give us that safe space to rest where you can be like, I love my kid, but I am so exhausted. Like I can't even see today. Yeah. And they're like, girl, I understand. And they get, and you know that they truly do. Yep. Yeah. And I think it's so, it's awesome to be part of this community here in Jersey city. But like, like I said, I, it doesn't matter where I go. A mom can connect with mom on the playground, like in a grocery store, it doesn't matter. And so it's like this big, you know, it's kind of like a sorority, I guess it's yeah. a, it is a community. It is that village. It's um, my lactation consultant, my lactation consultant was talking to me about the village and what the village actually means in some tribes. It's like, if you can't breastfeed your child, you pass your child on to somebody else who has milk. That's what the village does for each other. It's, it's not that there's anything wrong with you. It's that this is not working. Give the baby to somebody else. And then maybe you breastfeed someone else's baby. That's literally extending yourself to the mothers in your community and the women sit together and take care of their children during the day. And I know that we live in a much different setting than that. But when I, when, when I was, um, when my son was younger and I was in mommy groups and, you know, gatherings at the park and things, I was like, wow, this actually feels kind of primitive. Like there's a, there's something so primitive about this connection that we have. So yeah. Yeah. Motherhood. So before we wrap up, kind of wanted to see if you can share like you know wrap up your wisdom in in 30 60 seconds and what can women do or moms what can moms do right now during the pandemic to start to build this village um primarily because like you said the things that we were accustomed to doing are not all there right now unfortunately we hope things will get better but we have to we're still mothering and we still have to get through the next year or so. Never not mothering. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know that I can wrap, like, I don't know that I can wrap up any wisdom. I don't, I, what I hope, what I hope to impart on any women listening to this podcast is that I, I hope you trust yourself. There's so much out there. There's so much information out there that. I think we really lose our own voice, especially in motherhood, because there's so many specialists, there's so many experts, there's so many different experiences. 
I hope that you can get to a place and prioritize yourself in a way that makes your voice louder and drowns out everything else. Because when I think about something like good enough mother and a friend of mine recently said this to me, she said, it was probably the nicest thing anyone's ever said. She said, you were made to be his mother, like specifically. And if you know me personally, you know that I give no Fs about what anyone else is doing or thinks or believes. I am very true to my gut, my intuition, my inner knowing, because um, I'm just happier that way. And I, and I know that so much of, I know that so much of what ails us as, as mothers and as women is this like constant comparison of what other people are doing. And like, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to do, that's what you do. And it doesn't matter who's upset about it because something else that I've learned this year is that it's not our responsibility to manage adult expectations. It's just not, it didn't, you know, like you move with goodness, move with the best intentions for your family. And I think that is, that is the best we can do. And that's all you owe yourself is the best every day. And I don't know, lean into your friends, like people you haven't talked to in a while, lean into them. I think we get so wrapped up in what we're going through that we forget to output. How are you? I was just thinking about you. Like how many times have you thought about someone and the moment passes, you're busy with your kids and you never get around to texting them. And then so much time goes by. It's like, it's better done than perfect. Just send a text that says, hi, I have a friend who lives in Hawaii. We t- and she's, I talked to her more than I talked to some of my friends in Jersey City. And the reason is because we don't text with the intention of having this like whole long drawn out conversation. It's literally just a note that says hi with an emoji and it's like, miss you and that's it. But it's, yeah. that's a connection. That is keeping a connection with someone. It doesn't always have to be this big thing. I've been trying to be more intentional about that, that the moment someone pops into my head, I send the text right away. Hey, thought about you. Hi. And then, and then that's it. Because you're right. If I wait for, if I wait for the perfect moment to be able to have a 15 or even 10 minute conversation, it will never happen. Like that thought could be in my head. And 15 minutes later, I'm in a whole new world of doing whatever I'm get wrapped up into doing. So I've been trying to be more intentional about that. I like that a lot. It's true. It doesn't take, it's just like, Hey, thinking about you, or like you said, anything, right. That kind of keeps that going and, and it just helps us stay connected. So learning to feel into that intuition, into that connection in a different way, I think is so important. So I love that. And maybe a call for another day, but I recently stepped away from Instagram and I haven't been on or producing content since mid-December. And one thing I will say that I think would help just the overall mental health of everyone who's on, you know, it's a bottomless scrolling. Um, If you follow someone that you genuinely connect with, like you love what they're talking about, you love the products they share, whatever it is, reach out to them like send them a message, send them an email, like actually make a connection. Because I think, I think that there is such a disconnectedness in social media connection and friendship that it's almost like you, you have a relationship with this person that you follow just because you feel that you know so much about them. But like the reality is, do you really have a connection with them at all? Or is what they're saying just resonating with you? So it's like, 
actually making connections is really important. You can't just like, I know a lot of people who say like they only follow specific accounts that, you know, that have to do with wellness or growing their business or whatever. So they're all really positive. They're really intentional about what they're listening to, but like, there's still a missing connection there. Yeah. It's, it's one-sided connection. So I think we need to be better in general about making actual connections with people and that overall contributes to our happiness. I agree with that hundred percent. And I am one that has asked probably the most like inappropriate questions to people, especially if I'm following moms and be like, how, how did you do that? <laughs> and, and people respond and you start to build, like I've actually made friendships through that. Um, you know, we're not hanging out cause you know, it, again, like the times and also like some people just don't live that nearby, but you know, I love that. And I, I know you're, you're in a little hiatus, but just if you could tell people where they can find you, um, because I really have learned so much and it, and it did start with like a, um, a direct message to you saying like, I, I heard you talking about that one thing and yeah. I want to know more. So just yeah, let we are, know where they we're can find you. success story right now, girlfriend. Yes. This is how this started. Um, and I'm so glad for that. Um, so I, my Instagram account is still live. It's, um, at moms come clean and my focus is really wellness, motherhood, um, and clean beauty. I'm someone who believes that what we put on our body is just as important as what we're putting in our body. And, um, unfortunately we live in a world that, that bears us a huge toxic load and we don't even realize it. So I like to control what I can. It helps me feel happy. Um, and that's most of what I talk about. Um, and so you can find me there. I periodically check messages and if you'd love to connect, please send me a message and, um, I'll get your email address and we will stay in touch. Um, it, it's so interesting. I actually, um, I feel more grounded and a lot more connected to people now that I'm off social media than I was feeling when I was on it. So, um, I know it's like weird to do email and, um, phone calls and stuff, but those are still really awesome forms of communication. Um, and yeah, I like to make friends. So say hi. Yes. Yeah. And you're great about that because before this, most people I've just interviewed right away and you're like, call me. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but it's a great thing because like, we're so out of that routine. So I love it. Thank you so much for sharing what you've learned. And I really like hope that it helps somebody have the same mind-blowing experience that I had the minute I heard about it. And um, I'll make sure to put the correct spelling because it took me a minute to figure it out. Um, in the show notes, tag your IG, make sure. Yeah, and I'll tag, I'll send you a couple of articles to share too um, awesome. that I find interesting. And um, thank you for having me because just as much as I hope it's helpful for someone else, I think that giving the opportunity to tell your own story or share, you know, share your own thoughts and um, just how you've come to be where you are is also uh, really special and powerful. So thank you for um, asking me to come on and, and just connecting. I really appreciate you. Thank you all um, for listening. Can't wait for you to meet our next guest and for just today. Thank you, Maria. And I will make sure to put everything there. Have a good day, mamas. This conversation with Maria made me feel, to be honest, like I'm not crazy. It is the birth of a motherhood, something that I don't think anyone gave me a pamphlet for, 
From a neuroscientific point of view, the emotions of matrices, I can't even pronounce it, is like adolescence. And yes, I Googled it. I Googled it and Googled it. And I wish I would have had this information five years ago, three years ago, but I'm so happy that I'm able to share it with you today. So if you're new to motherhood or you know someone who's coming into motherhood, share this episode with them. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Mom Thrive. Subscribe and leave a comment if you like this episode. Thank you. Until next time.